You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. sometimes where it's like oh I'm you know I'm not good enough or I'm too much or um, maybe I just haven't met the right person or I've been doing dating wrong for 15 years of my life mm-hmm. like I just don't know how to talk to boys maybe I don't, <laughs> I don't know like that's it <laughs> guys and welcome back to uni therapy podcast i am your host kat and i am pumped about the episode today because i have one of my best friends kellen on to talk about life and just stages of life and adulting what it is what we thought it was newsflash it's not what we thought it was um and kellen is so amazing and being able to come in and talk about some of that and the hardness of it I have my friend and fellow therapist in Nashville, Megan, on this episode also to help me walk Kellen through some of these conversations. I'm so grateful for that. I want to go ahead and remind you guys, connect with me and follow me on Instagram at at cat.defada and the podcast at at unitherapypodcast. And then you can join our newsletter um, that we call the Self-Love Club. Um, by going to the website, unitherapypodcast.com and subscribing. Also, we give you a little gift if you sign up that you can use in our merch store online. So that's exciting. But more importantly, I want you guys to hear this conversation I had with one of my best friends. And here it is, my conversation with Megan and Kellen. Hi, we're here in the office with um, the lovely Kellen. Hi. Hi. How are you? 
I'm great. I'm excited to be here. How are you feeling? Um, I'm a little nervous. I'm not going to lie. Does it intimidate you that we're, you have two therapists across from you? A little. Like, I feel um, like I could be judged a little bit. Also, I'm a little <laughs> nervous about, like, what might come out of this. Those so, never know. All fair assumptions. That's why we let you sit in the, the therapist chair. I do feel a little more powerful over here. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> this will be the most time I've probably ever sat on this couch. I spend a lot of time on this couch because I take a lot of naps. Okay, definitely my first, <laughs> definitely my first time sitting on the couch next to somebody. Oh yeah, that is true. <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, so we're very excited to have you. I probably have already said this in the intro, but Kellen is one of my good friends. Megan knows her. You met at that Cleo Wade, isn't that where you met? The Cleo Wade book signing. I dragged oh, no. somebody. We met at a story event. No way. The was Micah, I there? Micah Bornet. The poet. I was the there. Okay. <gasps> yeah. Okay. I loved that night. I'm learning from this podcast that I don't remember meeting people. Um, <laughs> so I'm really glad that you know that. It's, it's, I think it's becoming a big point of shame for me that I'm like, I don't know that I remember many first impressions. That actually makes me feel better. Yeah. That you don't remember me. Oh, yeah, Kelly. because yeah. <laughs> you don't remember Part me. Part of the issue, though, is, is I feel like I've known... Kellen like before I knew you just through Catherine so I that knew who sense. you were yeah um before like yes I remember being together at that <laughs> <laughs> do you really yeah. I remember that um uh, I remember a lot of yeah things that don't need to go on the air well, but, but, <laughs> oh uh, I know what you're thinking <laughs> yeah. um but yeah I know a lot Kellen I'm excited to sit down with you because I know I feel like I know more about you, like, through Catherine than I do actually you, because I don't know that we really sat down and yeah. had a conversation together. Yeah. Well, yeah. I met Kellen when I was, like, 13. <laughs> Probably, right? Yeah. I could have been younger than that. You could have been, possibly, because I was a freshman in high school. Yeah, I was probably, like, 12 or 13. Yeah. And you were, Who knew you were, we were younger? It is so, um, I'm, like, what, you're two years younger than you? Because you're really one year older than my sister, but you are on the same no, no, I'm your sister's age. Oh, but I you was were in a year grade. grade. Okay, so Sarah played soccer with my sister, but you lived in Bowling Green. Mm-hmm. But she traveled to oh, play soccer here. You're a Kentucky here. girl. I am. Yeah, yeah, I'm from Louisville. That's right. I feel like we yeah. have talked about this. Okay. Um, yeah, probably and... had our first impression that I don't remember. Someone's <laughs> 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 already talked about it. <laughs> and yeah, the Defadas were so kind to open up their home whenever I needed to stay the night. Like when we mm-hmm. had two day practices and whatnot, so I became pretty close yeah. with the fam. Yeah, and then yeah. now she's my friend, and she lives in my old bedroom. Yeah, not in my parents' house. Oh wow, <laughs> in another house. I'm really I glad moved we're... out of my house. I haven't told you this, no. so I moved out of my. Okay, this is the, a cool story. So I quit my job to go start a private practice, and so I had no money. So I moved out of my house and moved in with my sister. So I had to fill my room, and Kellen was looking for a roommate. And we weren't friends at the time. We were just friends on Facebook. Yeah. I hadn't seen you in years. Mm-mm. And so she came, looked at the house, was like, oh, I'll live here. Moved in with my two best friends. And then, like, I moved out. And then now we're all best friends. Wow. And then she introduced our friend, Michelle, <laughs> to her now fiance, which is That's, all full circle. It is. It really <laughs> is. And really honestly, fun. when I was looking for a place to live, I remember thinking before I made that post on Facebook, I was like, I can't believe I'm this desperate that I'm posting on Facebook. Like, I didn't but want thank God to you post did. that. I know. It's crazy. Yeah. So yeah. it worked out really well. And Michelle owes 
her engagement to both of us. Right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> she does. Um, anyway, so let's get into humility. this. Humility. Well, yeah, well, I just have to get credit somehow for the things that happen in other people's lives. Um, it's all about you. <laughs> it's all about me. Little shout out that everyone is the hero of their own story. <laughs> <laughs> Which anyone that's been in therapy with me long enough knows that. Um, oh, speaking of therapy, um, Kellen, have you ever been? I have. Um, the first time I went to therapy, I was kind of forced to go. My parents were going through a divorce, and I think it was my mom's kind of attempt to help the situation, because um, it was kind of a shocking thing. I only went twice. I remember nothing from it, other than the room and what the guy looked like. like Isn't that crazy how you can like not remember it, but you were older? Yeah, I was 20. Yeah. Okay. Um, I and- think I was just in a state of shock from the situation, that everything else was just kind of like a moving mm-hmm. circle and I was just kind of there. Um, but since then I have done some work in therapy, um, for about a couple years I worked with one here in town and I can vividly remember the first appointment with her. The reason I went is my boss offered to pay for one appointment a month and I was like, I have to take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. Like, absolutely. So I remember saying that she was like, what are you here for? And I was like, I don't know. Um, <laughs> That's like, I hate when people say I'm that. sure you do. I'm, I'm like, sure it's the oh, worst man. answer ever. <laughs> really? Um, I love that. It's like, oh, <laughs> let's, let's talk about what you want to be different in your life. Which is a great question. I think I was just like, I just want to be the best version of myself. And this seemed like a good step. Um, but yeah, it was a really great journey for a couple of years. So, yeah. What do you feel like was the thing you got the most like from that experience sure I learned so much about myself um I went through like kind of an opening up of who I am and I learned a lot of different coping strategies and and just different ways to look at the world I think I was um before I went to therapy I was very we'll probably get into this later just very like straight line and like this is how you're supposed to do things this is what it's supposed to look like this is how you're supposed to feel um and it wasn't until I started going to therapy when you you learn that like that's that's not really how life works so yeah but you don't even know there's another option until you start talking about it with somebody yeah and how life I know we'll get into this later but how life really isn't right or wrong and there really isn't a black and white Mm -hmm. and a life that's lived well is navigating how to hold the both and like it can be beautiful and messy mm-hmm. it can be like really hard and really great yeah the both and was something that it, it was I think she probably said that to me so many mm-hmm. times of like you gotta remember the both and oh good mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah. it's funny I when... follow your therapist on Instagram yeah <laughs> she has <laughs> a really nice aesthetic oh yeah. perfect well have to look at that yeah um <laughs> Yeah, it's just such a good point because life is is a lot I think it's a lot better really being able to hold the both and but also it's a lot more unclear and one of my favorite things is like when somebody asks me like what to do like what do you think I should do and I'm like I really honestly don't know but I do know you have a lot of options and let's talk <laughs> about those <laughs> oh, I yes that is one thing I absolutely learned um I'm an Enneagram three, so, and I'm sure we'll talk about that later as well. But as a three, um, we often don't understand emotions and so we push them aside. Mm. So we just don't deal with them. And so I remember so many times just being like, yeah, cool. I feel that I'm sad, but like, what, 
I, how do we get out of it? Mm-hmm. And like, that's not always the point. And I think mm-hmm. for me, it's still learning to sit in the sadness and, and work through it instead of just running away from it. We know how to do that. Yes. <laughs> that's yeah. a in us. It is because the three, like when you think about Enneagram numbers, there's like in the triad, one projects, one suppresses and the other one I'm blanking. I don't know as much as you know. They take, because I'm thinking the two. Oh, and the one expresses. Expresses it. So the four would be the expressor. Yes. The four would be the expressor. The three would be the suppressor. suppressor, And the two would be the projector. Mm -hmm. Um, And sevens are suppressors too, which means essentially threes and sevens, we're just really good at pretending like we don't have any feelings. Yep. And then kind of working them out in different ways. And in your case is achieving. Yes. Um, And ours would be more just having lots of fun. Yeah, well, I'm just thinking about how this is going to work out really well, this episode, because we like to have a lot of fun, and you like to have the best of everything. So we're yep. going to have the best fun. Yeah. <laughs> let's do this. Let's do, let's this. do it. Let's do um, this. So let's, yeah, let's do it. I Megan and I were talking Friday, yesterday. Was yesterday Friday? No, no a couple days, days ago. ago. Yeah. Um, we were talking about you and what she, because I obviously I know you really well. So how this would be interesting with somebody who knows you really well and somebody that doesn't know you like at all. And she gave me a picture of who she thought you were. Oh goodness! And so I want to start with that of like, can you tell us when you hear her, when you've like heard me talk about her or see me post anything out? Like, what is your experience of who you think she is? Yeah, Catherine was like, oh, save this for the air and tell me it in person. And I was like, great. Um, but it was interesting because we were kind of prepping for this episode and Catherine was just talking more about what you could really bring to listeners and where we could take the conversation. And obviously we're all open to wherever it goes. And so as we were talking about that, I was like, wow, it's really interesting because when I pull up Kellen's Instagram, like I pulled up your Instagram to kind of prepare for the episode and... Um, think more about that and that kind of thing and I told Catherine I'm like it's so interesting like the stories that we make up based on like the little information we have or the pictures that we see versus like the reality and because I think it's really easy to make up this story like pulling up your Instagram or just what I've heard from Catherine about you I'm like oh no she doesn't have any struggles like she's beautiful she's like doing lots of fun things she seems to have a job that she loves and like a life that looks really enjoyable and I think it's really easy in that to also like write off the fact that your life also has pain in it Mm -hmm. yeah what is it like to hear her say that what were you thinking in your head when she said those things it's very kind and yeah I like I I was in my head I was like scrolling through my Instagram like thinking what's on there right now I'm like I don't even know like what the I'm actually off Instagram right now so I was like oh I don't remember you know the first thing actually is a picture of Psycho Bar and when I saw it I was like dang Catherine just recruits all of (laughs) these Psycho Bar teachers absolutely yeah Um, but yeah no I, I hear that and I'm like yep that I understand how you would get that, and a lot of those things aren't true. So mm. it's interesting. Yeah. Are there feelings that, if you can access them, are there feelings that come up when you're like, oh, a lot of those things aren't true, but that's what she thinks? Like, that's interesting. Yeah, I think um, it makes me kind of question a little bit, like, oh, maybe I need to be a little more real on my Instagram, which I, I think that... Gosh, we could probably talk for hours about Instagram and the effects and the culture it's creating around the highlight reel. 
but at the same time, um, I think I, I've been working really hard to keep it real with my inner circle, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that's the important thing. I don't Mm -hmm. think, no offense to you, Megan, but like, you don't need to know my pain, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, Yeah, I agree. Because I, I, those things are true. I would say those things are true. Well, some of the things you said are true about Kellen. And then the part where, like, she goes, I've seen your pain a lot. We've mm-hmm. had a lot of crying in a bar <laughs> or on a couch or, like, there's a lot of that. And But you also are really fun. And you we do do fun things. Mm-hmm. And you are beautiful. It's like, so I do see both sides. But it is just interesting how she could just have that impression. Yeah, really, like, a one-dimensional... You know, I was on, I was probably on your Instagram for less than a minute. Yeah. Um, it's like, I pulled it up. I looked at a few things. I thought about a few things to ask Catherine and like that I would want to ask you. And then I was done. And I think I was just really aware of like, wow, I made up all these assumptions in one minute that I even knew were really like one dimensional. Like it's very possible and probably true. And we'll get into it about a lot of parts of who people think you are on a first glance are true parts of you Mm -hmm. and it's not the full picture right Mm -hmm. yeah that makes total sense so do we want to just go into why we brought her here yeah (laughs) I think this is jump in (laughs) okay so speaking of all that that's kind of like a nice segue into um do you mind if we say your age no not at all um so you're 31, right? 31. <laughs> you're about to be 32. Yeah, okay. in a couple weeks. Um, When's your birthday? February 11th. Okay. My address. It. Just kidding. <laughs> what? <laughs> I was like, wait, what are you doing? That? Send me some gifts. My I Venmo know. is yeah. at Kellen Joe. That's Perfect. great. You wait, can find out what people, people send you <laughs> money. Send her money. <laughs> I'm just curious. Everybody coming at me like that's a super personal question. I just really like to know people's birthdays. No, I didn't. No, yeah. it wasn't anything about the question. Okay. I was no, just stating, was like, send me gifts. No. Okay. <laughs> if I was really into horoscopes, I'd be like, yep, you're this, and that means this what and are this you? about what you, and the episode's right. over, because we know right. all. Now we know, <laughs> we know everything. Uh, an Aquarius. Do you believe in all that stuff? I don't. I don't really adhere to it, but there have been moments where I've read things about Aquarius, I'm like, oh, that kind of is me in a lot of ways. So. Yeah. I feel like when I... Uh, whenever I would ever read a horoscope, I'd just read it if I, like... I just remember this when I was little. You know how they used to have, like, them all in the back of, like, magazines and stuff? Yeah. When magazines were big. It was just if I, like, wanted to figure out if my crush liked me or not. Yeah, I was like, is 100%. This the, is this the week that he's going to ask me out? And never <laughs> the best thing I've seen around that, uh, my sister sent me a meme that basically said something along the lines of, like something had happened in the picture and it was like, I don't know if this is because I'm a Gemini or because of my childhood trauma. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, let's go with childhood trauma. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, that's so funny. Um, anyway, so you're 31. Yeah. Let's start this out with, I would like to know when you were younger, when you were a kid, what you thought your life was going to look like at 31. And then what are the differences in that? Sure. Um, it would have looked very different. I think um, I think the biggest thing... I was thinking a lot about this question. Um, I think I thought my life would be a lot clearer at this point. Uh, and that's around a lot of different aspects in life. I think I thought I would have... I would be married 
possibly have a kid, um, be a little more settled down with where I was, have a clear career path. Um, and instead everything just feels a little, a little muddy and unknown. And like, so yeah, that's the answer. (laughs) Clarity. You thought at this point you would have a lot more clarity. Yeah. I think, um, growing up, you know, you see the generation ahead of us, it seems as though, and this is, you know, the way we, I interpreted it as a kid. It was like, these are the steps that you take you go to college you meet someone then you get married and you build a life um that way and so for a lot of us in this generation where you know we we possibly didn't meet a spouse in college and you know you went through your 20s and now you're in your 30s and you're like oh I still don't have a partner and I possibly don't know what my career looks like still and so it's just yeah so not having those things what's like the meaning you make of that if it's not clarity what is it it's yeah it's the un- the unknown and i think that is a um it's a beautiful and terrifying thing that i mm-hmm. still have this power to create something you know mm-hmm. like it isn't defined yet and so i still have to go and make that happen and so in that regard it's a little scary that it's not clearly defined yet um but then it's also exciting at the same time yeah i find like even listening to you talk it brings up something i think about a lot which oftentimes i'll think about things in my life and then think about my parents at this age and i'm like damn i like really thought that they had a lot more figured out than they probably did Oh, for sure. I think about my age now, like my mom had two young kids and I'm just, when I connect that to my own life, I'm like, what in the world? Uh, But really this idea that when we're old or older, we'll have it all figured out. And it sounds like even what you're talking about is like, gosh, there's so many more questions than there are answers. Yeah, absolutely. I think about that a lot too. I think you, especially as you grow up, you learn that your parents are also just humans. They aren't superheroes. They aren't perfect. Um, and you realize that, yeah, they don't have it figured out either. And they're, you know, my mom, they're in their sixties. They're still figuring it out. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, just a constant learning. Is there anything in your life now that's really great that you could have never predicted when you were younger? Absolutely. Um, I, in my career have been afforded so many amazing opportunities that I look back and I'm like, I can't believe I got to do that or, that that happened and um, Will you talk about what you do sure um i like to say that i create experiences for people so whether that is through a video or an event or a podcast um i i love to help create the branding around that and then also like the logistics and all those wonderful things i like to invite people into an experience um and i've started out in the music industry doing that i lived in la for a bit um and yeah, I think just like the people I've gotten to meet, the things I've gotten to do, the places I've gotten to seen, um, they're, that's really mind blowing. And they're, they're things that I couldn't have dreamt up as a kid, mm-hmm. um, which has just been really, really great. You know, I've been talking, this has been coming up a lot lately, so I find it's interesting, but people our age struggling with like, I don't have my, um, same thing you're saying. Like, I don't have the job, the dream job that I thought I was going to have and whatever. And the difference that I have found 
in like our parents versus us is it seems like the generation or two generations before us whatever you go to school for like accounting or I don't know business or whatever it is and then you go become that thing right and it's like now you go to school and you get whatever the hell degree you want to get and then you go create that thing like there's so many jobs I hear so many people now of like I'm writing a proposal for a job or I'm just going to start my own thing and I don't know if it's just because I'm in it that I feel like that's bigger, but it seems like that's an opportunity that we get to lean into with how the world is shifting. Um, that that's one of the reasons I think a lot of people struggle is we aren't where we thought we were going to be is because the world's moving and we have an opportunity to move with it and it's not so linear anymore. And really the idea of freedom comes up. Oh right? God, yeah. Like Most of the time when you talk to people, what they really want is freedom and then you suddenly get it, and it's like, oh shit, what am I going to do with this? Because yeah. it's funny that you bring up the accounting degree. Like, I yeah. have an accounting degree. <laughs> <laughs> How much do you use that? Yes. <laughs> Actually, a lot. Personally, personally a lot in helping all of my friends um, kind of figure out financial things. Except and... not me, because I don't want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> Except that one free session you got around, um, what was it? When we were calculating what you... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was helpful. (laughs) But really, it does. It comes to this idea of freedom. And the more freedom we have, actually, that can be a lot scarier than to go to school, get an accounting degree, go get some job, and then complain about how much you don't like the job. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And now, like, there's so much more freedom to be like, okay, I'm going to go get whatever degree or not, and I'm going to go create the life that I want. And then what happens is, like, you're responsible for the life that you create. There's no one to blame. Yes. That responsibility, it can, it, it's a blessing and a burden. It can be so heavy. I, in fact, I just quit my nine to five job. So come January 28th, I'm not going to have a constant paycheck coming in. And so you're, but at the same time, I do have that freedom to go out and find exciting projects that I'm excited about and really work within my own power to try to make that happen for me. So, which may not happen, but it's, it's exciting to think about. Yeah. Would you be willing to talk about the process of deciding? It sounds like you've decided to quit like your nine to five stable air quotes, stable job. Yes. To really do something more on your own. Mm -hmm. Can you talk more about that? Yeah. So for the past year, I've been working for a creative agency here in town and, um, I learned a lot, but I also learned things that I don't enjoy, which is working with really corporate clients. And while I was there working full time, I had some, potential clients reach out to me for projects that I was really excited about and I was having to turn them down. So, you know, I started throwing around this idea, like, what if I quit? What if I just went out on my own? So I was able to take on these projects that are more meaningful for me. Um, and so I did and yeah, my last day is in a couple weeks. It's really crazy and exciting, but, um, you know, the day after, my last day, I'm flying to Miami to work some events around the Super Bowl, which like I'm really excited about. So sometimes when you take that leap, things just start to come your way that are that are meant for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, like oftentimes we think we need the information in order to take the leap, and it really life works. Every time that I've learned, it's like taking the leap and and the faith and the results come after the fact. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, it's it doesn't make it any less scary. <laughs> But it is really exciting. What I know about you and your walk in your career life, your career journey, is 
at one point, I think you, it's been cool to see you in these different aspects in your different jobs or they're all the same career ish, but different actual jobs. Because at one point you had a space where you loved, loved, loved the work you were doing and you were so passionate about the work and you kind of, I think what I made up and I think you probably said this is the, the pain points were worth it because the work was so meaningful to you. And then you transitioned from, there came a point where that, it, that didn't fit anymore. And you transitioned into a job or a position where some of the pain points weren't there, but then the passion was dropped. And so can you talk about, cause it kind of is backwards how that works. So can you talk about like how, what it was like for you to finally find this thing, have to let go of it and move into this thing and the feelings that you've had this past year around that? Sure. Yeah. Um, and you were right. Absolutely. I loved, um, my, my job. It was, there were a lot of pain points around it, but I, I would ask myself every day, it's like, is this worth it? And every day it was, yes. Like I cared really deeply about the work we were doing. I enjoyed my day to day. It was always different. I was always learning. And the people that I got to meet along the way were, it was just so impactful. Um, and when I lost that, there was a feeling of, I was a little directionless, honestly, mm-hmm. for like a couple months of like, what do I do with this experience that I gained? Because in that position, it was a very small team. So I was doing a million different things. I learned a ton, but it's like, cool. So now I'm like this jack of all trades, but I'm not an expert really mm-hmm. in anything. So how do you, how do you navigate that and figure this out in this, this career? Um, and actually this job that I have now that I just quit, um, they were looking for someone that had all of that experience and they were struggling to find someone that had both this producer logistical brain, but also could be creative and market on the same, um, with the same project. And they were struggling to find that. So it was like this realization of like, Oh, I can do this same thing for other people, but you're right. There there was a lack of meaning behind the project. And so that is ultimately why I'm um, deciding to step away from that. But it has been tough for this past year of getting to use what I think is my giftings and my skills for something that is just not life-giving for Mm me. Um, But through that, I've I've learned a lot. So it's like holding on to the things that I've learned and I've gained Mm -hmm. um, and really focusing on those things and just taking those into whatever comes next. Mm -hmm. Coming back to the both and. Yeah. The job has been both, it sounds like a couple of different jobs you've had have been both like really wonderful in some ways where you could step into a lot of your gifting and hard in other ways that maybe you couldn't have imagined or predicted. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also something I dealt with was I felt like I let um, the job that I loved become my identity in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, it was everything. And Cause yeah, it was a cool job. It was, a, yes, a very cool job. I was so proud of everything that we did. Um, and I was working 60, 70, 80 hours a week and didn't blink an eye about that. Mm-hmm. Like didn't care. Um, and so it was kind of nice to come into a season of a little bit of rest and kind of learn about some work-life boundaries and what that looks like. It was like, oh, okay, this is nice. I can have a Saturday and not work. Like, I don't have to check my email today. Like, I don't, I didn't know what that life was like. Um, And as an Enneagram 3, like, we love the work 
like to become a workaholic. So mm. also something I'm learning. Workaholism, one of the best addictions out there. <laughs> I'm not professional opinion. I'm not promoting workaholism as a, no, it's when I say best addictions out there, it's the most praised probably in society. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um you get so much reward because you're getting either financial reward or some sort of attention or payoff or achievement. Mm-hmm. And it like also fills so much of your time where you don't have to think or feel. Yeah, absolutely. We live in a very um, Enneagram 3 society mm-hmm. here in the States. Mm-hmm. that rewards that. Absolutely. What are your residual feelings? And we have this chart right in front of you if you would like to use that. <laughs> yeah, the feelings chart always on the floor. The amount of times that I've said, like... Catherine's really like she's a good friend in this way like she doesn't bring her therapy too much into friendship but there were moments she's like so how do you feel about that and I'll say a word she's like that's not a feeling I'm like I'm trying so hard (laughs) my favorite thing to do is when I say like well what what are you feeling they'll they'll be like I think that and I'm like I didn't ask for your thoughts I asked for your feelings (laughs) gosh she's bringing down the hair outside of the office but I mean that even just goes to like how often we try to think around our emotions yeah like I'll ask directly what is what are you feeling I actually really want to know and it's like we go sideways to try to like swerve it well I think that what happened was and I'm like that's not what I asked (laughs) um but for you back to my question what are your residual feelings around having those two things because it's almost what I hear is I wish I could take this and take this and then make that and so what are your feelings to going back to where we started here is being 31, not having clarity, but having these experiences at the same time. What are you feeling sitting in where you are today? It's a really good question. Um, I think I'm like looking at the, the cheat sheet of the, of the uh, emotions there. There's definitely some shame around it um, because it's like I just saw it. I would have the career figured out. Um, I wouldn't be figuring out how I'm going to make rent next month. Like, you know, mm-hmm. that's that's not something that I thought at 31, 32 that would be a question in my mind. Um, you know, I, thought, I probably thought I'd own a house by now, you know. So there's definitely some shame around that. There's some, some sadness around the letting go of something that I loved. But then there's also this excitement of like, okay, let's let's go create this. Like, Mm -hmm. let's figure this out. Um, which is exciting and scary Mm -hmm. (laughs) all at once. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. That's a good transition even to another question that I held. You know, we talked a little bit about like, what are the great things in your life you couldn't have predicted that are there? And then can we move a little bit more into things that aren't in your life? now then maybe the grief you're carrying around those things not being here yeah absolutely I would say the the biggest thing actually had someone ask me yesterday what are you most sad about right now in your life wow are they a therapist yeah who Uh, asked you that my coach oh (laughs) yeah (laughs) um because oftentimes I get on the call and he's like what do you want to work on I'm like I don't know so that's you know it's a good lead question um and it really is I'm a really lonely and being single and it's something that I've had to come to terms with and mm-hmm. being willing to admit that I'm sad around it because I think there was a little bit of shame of like no I'm supposed to have it all together it's okay like empowered woman independent woman which I have been for 
since I was, you know, on my own at 17, I have been this independent woman, but I'm learning that it's, it's okay to have those desires and to want a partner in life and, um, being willing to, to tell people that like, yeah, I want to build a life with someone. I want to have a powerful partnership with someone, um, that we're running after things together. And so not having that has been something that I've been dealing with a lot of grief around, especially in the last couple years. Cause I think that's when I finally came to terms with that's something that I want. Mm-hmm. Um, so the not, so having that unmet desire has been something that I've really been navigating. Do, do you build stories around that for you in the sense of you oh, know, yeah. how we have to make sense of things? What's the story that you've built around not having that? Right now. Which one do you want? <laughs> I will. I mean, we can take all of them, depending on whether they like, different moods. You have a different story. Yeah, I think. Um, I think that there are some stories of like, well, there's just no one left that's single. That's quality, mm-hmm. which we know that's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we can get stuck in that. I think there's some stories sometimes where it's like, oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm not good enough or I'm too much or um, maybe I just haven't met the right person or I've been doing dating wrong for 15 years of my life mm-hmm. like I just don't know how to talk to boys maybe I don't I don't know <laughs> like <laughs> so it yeah and it really does depend on because I I do date and so it can really depend on the situation that's been happening and the stories that revolve around that maybe particular person or situation. Um, but yeah, there are a lot of stories. Mm-hmm. Thanks for your humility and being willing to talk about it. Cause mm-hmm. I think a lot of us carry stories. A lot of everybody carries lots of stories about lots of things. Yes. Um, and then even in the world of dating, it can be hard as a female who does have it seems to me that you really like yourself in a lot of ways and do are a strong woman. And then it can be hard to talk about this unmet desire, something that you really want in a way of not feeling desperate or what people are going to think around that unmet desire. Yeah. Thanks for that. It, it's taken mm-hmm. some work for mm-hmm. sure. Absolutely. Cause I think there is this, I think our society sometimes chastises women for, for being quote unquote needy mm. when in reality, yeah. like we were created for yeah. relationship, um, and there's there shouldn't be shame around it. Like, yes, there probably are wrong ways to go about it, but yeah, there just shouldn't be. But also, isn't neediness something that should, in in essence, should be celebrated? The fact that like I'm willing to be open to the fact that I I do need people in my life to to be fulfilled because we weren't put on the earth to be alone. Yeah. And so I think that's something I don't know if it's the way we present it to the world, but something to be celebrated that you're willing to say that this is a need of mine. It is a desire and a want, right? Mm-hmm. But also it's a need for us to be in relationship with people. And you're just saying like I am open and wanting a deeper kind of that. Yeah. 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 It brings me to to thinking about one of the ways that I hold in my head like the difference between enabling and being helpful mm-hmm. is asking myself like is this something the other person could reasonably be able to do for themselves and if the answer is yes it's like okay how can I support them in doing that um, rather than doing it for them and enabling them so even when I think about neediness like within ourselves it's like 
there are times that we can be too needy mm-hmm. in the sense of like, hey, I need to do this I for myself. myself. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? Yes. <laughs> um, and then there are really times that like we need to step into our neediness relationally and let somebody be in that with us, yeah. which is hard to navigate. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it really is. That's a really good point. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the hardest part about being a, an adult? Because you are one. Slash, what did you think was going to be the hardest part about being an adult? Like, when you were a kid, what were you least looking forward to? Kind of. <laughs> and most looking forward to. Interesting. And now, what's the truth? Yeah. I think when I was a kid, I was really excited about the thought of being on my own. I think I've always been a fairly independent human. Um, so, I think that was... And I loved my parents and had a really great childhood growing up. But I, I think I always like wanted to be like I don't need you and I don't know what that stems from probably pride or I'm not really sure so I think for me that was like exciting of like getting to create my own life um which now as an adult that's probably the scariest part about Mm -hmm. being an adult Mm -hmm. is not having someone to answer to which is something we talked about um and I I think that our generation um I don't think anyone really prepared us for our 20s mm-hmm. and what that was supposed to look like. I think, you know, we got sent to college and I think, or at least I was told, that's where you find yourself. Sure. You find yourself in college. And honestly, I probably lost myself wow. the it's, most in college. That's what I say all the time. Because you are, at least for me, I was fighting to be seen. Yeah. in different capacities. So I was using achievement because that's that's my go-to to figure out how to be seen. So I was spreading myself so thin. I was on the soccer team and then also I was in the musicals and then I'm, you know, working in the athletic department and then also volunteering to be in the fraternity and sorority world. Like I just had wow. to be seen everywhere. And it wasn't until my late 20s where I started to really learn about myself and like what what do I actually like what do I actually enjoy doing so that so when you said um that when you started going to therapy that's when you finally started like figuring out who you were Mm -hmm. that all makes sense now because I'm I feel so connected to you right now (laughs) (laughs) because (laughs) you're rolling your eyes at me I think I raised my eyebrows so, just so I can defend myself. I, I'm not an eye roller. I did look at you with an eye, a suspicious eye raise okay. because I think I probably was feeling a little bit lonely, you know. Oh. <laughs> I'm connected to you two in different ways. Yeah, not that I'm not connected to you, but yeah, that like you're like, well, actually, oh. no, you did. Okay. Now I feel more connected to you. I'm like, I feel connected to you too after these uh, 38 minutes. <laughs> Okay. Well, actually, we all, I bet everybody felt, I can't say everybody, but we all three, our stories are so similar in the sense that, okay, when you went to college, that is so helpful, I think, to say out loud. Mm -hmm. I'm just feeling this myself. But when you went to college, you were doing all these things that were said, or I don't know who said them, but they were positioned in a way that this is going to bring you what you want. What you wanted was to be seen. Yeah. But what underneath you wanted to be seen, but what was underneath of being seen that you were really wanting? Belonging, connection. Yeah. Um, and 
I'm not saying I didn't get those things because yeah. I, I, I think I did. Um, but yeah, you just, you wanted that sense that you belong. Did you know, did you know at that time that what you really wanted was belonging and connection? No, I wasn't aware. So, yeah. So it's that later when you start going to therapy, you're like, oh, I didn't really just want to be the star in that musical. I wanted to belong somewhere. Right. So that's why I still have this feeling because I don't, it's not that I, I mean, I guess too, you aren't in the show anymore and you aren't on the school soccer team or poster isn't everywhere. And so after you leave college, then what, mm-hmm. especially as you're talking about moving through these careers, um, so where does that leave you now? Where do you find being seen now? That yeah. That is different from where you found it before. Yeah. I think, um, and this is something I, I still have to work through and navigate, but it's, it's less about being seen in a public way, in a public display of achievement or, um, whatever it is I'm doing, but it's really learning to be vulnerable with your inner circle mm-hmm. and allowing people to see who you really are when, when the masks are off, when you're not working, when I'm not up on the podium trying to teach a cycle bar mm-hmm. class or, you know, prepping an event. Um, it's letting my inner circle see who I really am behind closed doors and, um, yeah, just being accepting of them as well. Mm-hmm. And I, I would say in the past it's taken this long. Like I didn't start really being vulnerable until like the past three years. Mm-hmm. And that's, it's so crazy to think about that. I was walking around kind of awake to who I, I mean, asleep like, to who I was. Yeah. And I think the idea of like, I love even how at the beginning when we were talking about my perception of you and you were able to say, and like, quite frankly, you don't need to know everything about, like, you don't need to know my pain yeah which i really respect i'm like hell yeah boundary (laughs) because everybody doesn't right we live in this world that it it is like kind of like we were talking about i wish it would have been on the air but kind of we were talking about putting all this stuff online that really is reserved for like an inner circle that you can connect with because when you think about like i used to hear that all the time like oh just be yourself or let people know who you really are and I'm like what in the who am I right like how do I even let people know that and then the more like I've learned and I'm wondering if you can connect this too that when we break the word intimacy down it's like into me you see which really are like the language really is freedom and feelings and needs and relational connection Mm -hmm. what I what I heard and what you just said was you move from I want to be seen to I want to be known. Mm. So your mm. friends really know you. And so we're not just like looking at you as like a picture or an accomplishment. Because you do have those things and you are cool and you are pretty. <laughs> Gee, thanks. Things everybody wants to hear. Yeah. <laughs> but we actually like know what's underneath that. And there's value in the things that people cannot just see. Yeah. And it's um, it's being comfortable enough around other humans to cry at a bar, which I've done. I'm not proud to admit it. I've done multiple times this year. What Um, bars are you all out crying at? I'm going to go pass my uh, business card out. out. (laughs) (laughs) But part of it, part of it is um, drinking can bring that out. And then also like just, we're having real conversations Mm -hmm. around things that we struggle with. And, and I couldn't before the past three years. I don't know that I could tell you the last time I, I cried in front of a friend, 
you know? And so it is, it's the breaking down and being willing to show the parts of ourselves. And it's something I'm continuing to learn, but the parts of ourselves that we're maybe not proud of and, or excited to share with the world and learning that it's, it's safe and it's okay. Um, and it takes finding the right people to be safe and okay with. That's so key. Yeah. How do you navigate? I was thinking that as you were talking, when you were talking about being honest with friends, how do you navigate which friends or maybe which people in your life you're going to let really see into you and which people maybe you don't want that? Yeah, that's a really, really good question. Um, we, we've been really lucky, I think with our friend group that we've kind of created. Um, I think it's just been a lot of time spent and a lot of, um, life things that we've walked through with each other that you kind of just learn. Um, we all, we all know kind of where our, our values are, which is really important and key. Um, I think we, we're all very different in a lot of ways too, which is great because you want, you know, different voices speaking in. But, um, I think it really is just like the, the quality time that you're spending and the conversations that you're having. Um, it's a, it's a breaking down, you know, it's, it's not, here's everything right here. Um, but I, I also do think I've become more of an, an open book with some more people as I become more comfortable mm-hmm. with talking about being more mm-hmm. vulnerable, which I think is a really beautiful thing because it can bring an, an openness, um, to a relationship and welcome in other people into that vulnerability. Um, but no, they, not everyone needs to know my pain, but I think as you're navigating it, you can, you, I don't know, there's an energy around people that, are welcoming to those conversations and some people just aren't and that's okay. Yeah. I find like people worth trusting are the ones that show up. Yeah. The ones that like show up when they're supposed to people that keep their word, like even thinking about, I think I use the example of a marble jar a lot of times with clients of having this empty jar and like each time a friend or somebody in your life shows up when they say they're going to and like, when they share things back about their life and all that stuff, we're building like more marbles in this jar to be able to trust them versus sharing your whole life with somebody you just met. Right. Mm -hmm. That's a really good analogy. I like that. Mm -hmm. Just coming off of that and then going back to you talking about your dating experience as an adult ish person. (laughs) um, How have you navigated that in dating? Right. So when you're, because you talked about too, what am I? What am I doing wrong? As part of your story, yeah, that you have in your head. So, how have you navigated how to date as an adult, as you know more of yourself, without giving these people things that they don't need? Yeah, they don't yeah, need. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Giving no. away your gold to strangers. Yeah. yeah, no, it's a really, really good question, and I, I'm definitely no expert. Haven't figured it out clearly, um, <laughs> since I'm still single. I that doesn't mean you haven't figured it out. <laughs> Thanks, Megan. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna take that for myself as well. <laughs> yeah, I'm not single and I don't have it figured it out. You know. Yeah, it's messy. Human relationships are messy. I think that's just gonna, and that's something I'm learning too. Like, it's never gonna look perfect. Um, but yeah, I think it's. I've been learning a lot with dating. Um, to come from a place of curiosity which has really helped change like my stance in things. Um, instead of walking into a date thinking that having assumptions about someone or, um, 
having expectations around how it's supposed to go, which can really ruin something. Um, so it's just going in with an open mind of, Hey, I'm just curious about this human and that doesn't put expectations on them. I don't know where they're at. Um, so let's just like write it out and just come from a place of curiosity. Um, I think with not giving away, I don't know, like keeping things slow and, and that's a tough one because I think it's important to come from a place of honesty. And if I like someone like they need, I think they need to know that, but also it's really scary and, and that too. And, and something I'm definitely working through is, um, I give a lot of power away to other people's opinions of me. And so what does that look like? Um, if someone doesn't like me, it's, it's really, really hurtful. And like, Mm -hmm. it has a knock on my own worthiness. So like if, you know, if a a guy that I really like all of a sudden decides, doesn't want to continue, whatever, I can take that really, really personal and just think, oh, well then I, he just, I'm not worth worthy of him or anyone or, um, but that can go outside of dating a hundred percent, like giving my power away. People pleasing is like a really, is a thing that I struggle with. Absolutely. So yeah, that's something that I'm working through. Which even, I mean, dating, I used to say, and I probably still believe this. Like, I'm like, I think some of my prayers used to be like, God, it is going to take a freaking miracle to get two people to like each other at the same time. Yeah. Because so there is so like when you're really willing to step into your desire, what you're doing and go on dates and be vulnerable and risk getting to know somebody. And then to sometimes have that where maybe the feelings aren't mutual and to deal with like the grief and the disappointment in that is just freaking so hard. It is hard. It's yeah. like it's starting over. Yeah. yeah. Well, can I share something that you said to me? It's yeah. not that intimate. Yeah. <laughs> According but... to Catherine. <laughs> it's going to be like your deepest, darkest secret. <laughs> so uh, after you listened to the episode on attachment, mm, yeah. Kellen texted me and said, <laughs> I can't figure out whether I'm avoidant or anxious. Are you more like me or well... Catherine? <laughs> Well, I, and I, you know what is coming to me now is because it is, it's not a secret anymore if you've listened to that episode that in our cohort of age-wise single people, most people that we are um, engaging with are anxious or avoidant. There's right. a less, uh, there's a smaller pool of secure, atta- securely attached people. But what I have heard from you, and now I don't think you're perfect and nobody's perfect, but what I've heard from you talk about your story in this and just what I what I know of you and putting that on top of that is I don't know that you right now are leaning towards really insecure, ta- avoidant or insecure, anxious. I think you're pulling into this secure place where you know who you are, you know, you do know what you want, like you know these things, you don't have them all, but I, what I hear is you then go on these dates with these people which we don't know their attachment on their first on the first date no right and so then we're you're making a judgment about you and you don't know what those people's stories are Mm. so you might be super secure you know you might be going into these dating experiences securely attached to yourself but the part that's not secure is that you're you're thinking that you're not the secure one and that they are so Does that make sense? Basically, they might be the problem. That's what I'm saying. It's all these 
stupid to boys. All of this. <laughs> but you know what? Yeah, that's. I think that I would want you to look into that more and look into your experiences and just knowing some of the ones that you've had recently is they do seem like the ones that are having the insecure parts yeah. come out. No, that's interesting. I think that, um, I think where I struggle with, yeah, some of the like anxious, avoidant, whatever, I think, um, once I decide that I like someone, like I'm ready to go, like I'm, I think it's because I know what I want. So but that's it's like secu- that's can be secure though. I'm right. Like let's let's do this. Yeah. Like I don't understand what where and why wouldn't you want to date me? Because I like myself. Yeah, but then when when things end, I I find myself analyzing like and overthinking yeah. everything. I'm like, what what did I do wrong? What when did he say that? What did da 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 da? Which and is, it really does <clears throat> take so much work. Yeah. Like some of it is true. Like you could be. I don't, I don't know, you know, enough about you or your attachment to know where you stand. And I, but I think for all of us, even those of us who are more securely attached, it's also knowing like the leaning in any given moment, like anxious or avoidant. And then being able, it's not like, oh, I have this attachment style and I'm so messed up or like I got this attachment style and I really lucked out, but it's like, can you sit in that? and move toward health. Like mm. I know early on in my relationship, I lean way more avoidant and Eric is pretty secure, but probably leans more anxious. Otherwise I don't know that we'd really work out <laughs> together. <laughs> and, <laughs> and even though when two avoidants get together, they're like, this is amazing. We will have to talk to each other yeah. ever. <laughs> and I'm like, in my, I'll be in my office with somebody. And I'll be like, yeah, but I don't know that you're connecting. Yeah. Um, they're not smothering you and you're not smothering them, but I don't know that you're connecting. Anyway, early on in my relationship, it really was like Eric had so much more desire to see me and spend time with me. And I just couldn't tolerate it. Like there was just way too much fear. And like I would, we would go on a date and be with each other for two hours and he'd be like, let's keep going. And I'd be like, I'm exhausted. Like, (laughs) I'll see you next week. Um, (laughs) Oh my goodness. There was so much like going on. It was so difficult for me. And he really had to live with really wanting more from me for a long time Mm. before I could like tolerate being in it. So I just say that as a matter of like, yeah, it is difficult. And so much of it is reading yourself at any given moment to see what you need and where you can like step into that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's helpful. It's really fun. (laughs) And by fun, I do really like when you're talking about curiosity though, because even like when I think about dating, something I tell people a lot is it's really hard to go into dating on a date thinking like, can this person be my husband or can this person like, can it work out? But if we step back and go in from a position of curiosity of like, Hey, I'm going to grab dinner or coffee with this person to just to get to know them. And in the process, learn more about myself. Absolutely. It really takes a lot of pressure off and you can actually enjoy it. Like dating mm. is supposed to be fun. It apparently, is. It's um, yeah. That's what they say. Yeah. That's literally Who what they say. That, though? Our parents. <laughs> yeah. They said dating was so fun. And I'm like, yeah, you didn't have social media. You didn't have yeah, apps. You anything. didn't have texting even like, um, but I actually date multiple people at one time. Yeah. Which day. that stresses me out. Yeah, I can't fine. handle it. Um, I actually had a friend recently, she's uh, newly 
dating someone and she was struggling whether she wanted to go on like a I think it was like date four or something and she texted a guy a guy friend of hers and was like I don't know if I should go and he's like well are you still curious about the person like I think so often we put so much pressure on like but I don't know if he's the one well okay you don't have to know that you're you're not gonna know that on date four like you're just not and I and I do think especially when we're in our 30s like we feel like we have to figure it out so soon and so quickly because we're scared to waste time which I get those are all valid fears but we could be really pushing someone away that maybe is supposed to be in our life what yes very wise words that you are saying and I would encourage you to apply that to other aspects of your life too and uh, I just remember because I've always been the kind of person who's like I like this person let's date right now let's do it we're getting married (laughs) he's it mom (laughs) book a location (laughs) Um, but no not that extreme but um, I the last guy that I did date I remember saying like I don't know because I really didn't know. And I'd never sat in that place of I don't know that long before. And I said, the only thing I know is that when I leave, I want to come see you. I want to see you again. And that can, I, th- I that idea being helped, because that helped me, right? It took all the pressure off. I actually could see, do I like this person? What do I like about this person without thinking about the future? But if we take that idea and we put paint that over all aspects of our lives, whether it's our career, our friendships, having a house, whatever, well, do you like going to work? Like, do you want to go to work tomorrow? Right? It's right. like, you don't have to know if you're going to like this job in five years, but do you want to come tomorrow? Or whatever it is. Living, whoever you're living with. Do I want to live with my roommate tomorrow? Yeah. So I think I'm good. <laughs> like, but if you can apply that to every aspect, what would life as an adult feel like to you if that's the framework? Yeah. Rather than, because what I heard from you in the beginning is adult, being an adult is having clarity. Mm. Yeah. Freedom of change. Yeah. I love what you're stealing from all the 12 step programs. Um, of the one day at a time. <laughs> oh, I don't even know. Is that where I got that from? <laughs> I'm just going to change the wording and write my own book. Oh, gosh. I do. I think you can really roll with it. I think it's this idea. I mean, any sort of 12-step recovery that somebody getting sober, or getting clean, or whatever it is, is like, okay, I'm not going to drink today. Yeah. And then tomorrow I'll decide not to drink again. But really that, like, I love what you're doing and expanding that. But it's really of, like can we start looking at stuff of like, yeah, do I want to see this person again? Or do I want to do this job for this season? Versus this idea of somebody asked me this week of like, do you think you'll be a therapist forever? And I was like, oh, good Lord, that's a scary question. I'm like, you know, I don't know, but I really like it for this season. Yeah, and I think it's really good. And it even takes me back to like, sometimes goals can even be daunting. And it's Mm -hmm. like, my coach told me recently, he was like, well, how about, because I was like, I didn't do that because I just didn't want to. And he's like, okay, <laughs> well, that's a problem. So, like, how do we, like, reframe this commitment and this goal into something that you want to do? And he's like, how about you just do commit to working on it for an hour? Like, you don't have to do X, Y, Z. Like, just work on it for an hour. Mm-hmm. Take the small steps and then, like, then expand on it. And I think it is um, – I love the way you're saying of, like, treating life that way of, like, one day at a time and – but even treating adulthood, I wonder yeah. if you, what does that feel like to walk into that space of, okay, being an adult means that I get to make these decisions every day rather than I have to have made them already. Yeah, I think you you take things and you, you come from a place of like of wonder and curiosity. It's like, well, what if? 
what if I did this today instead of that? And also like some gratitude of like, I get to make these choices. Like this is powerful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This should be exciting to, to have the opportunity to get to decide what my career is tomorrow Mm -hmm. and to get to decide if I want to be a psycho bar teacher or not, Mm -hmm. or, you know, like to have some freedom and that is exciting. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, we need to wrap it up. Okay, want me to? I have a final question. Uh oh. As we close out, I think the question that I still hold is really like, as you look back, does anything come to your mind of advice you would give to your younger self? Really good question. I think something that I would probably tell my younger self is like to relax a little bit like life doesn't have to be so serious and it isn't linear and it's not black and white mm-hmm. um, and that it doesn't have to look a certain way like whatever society pressures whatever family pressures or or anything like that is their opinions don't matter like this is your one life and you get to choose how you want to live it and so go go do the thing you want to do uh, I mean I'm still teaching myself that so Amen. Yeah. Do the thing you want to do. You heard it it here first. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Kellen, thank you so much for coming and spending time in our office with us. Yeah. It's an honor. I feel very honored to be here. Wow. Honored? Yeah. This Um, is such a fun time. And I feel like I should have said this before, but Kellen talked about how she likes to help people do creative things, and she's who helped me start this. Wow. She, yeah. She did the cover. What do you call it? The artwork. The artwork. Yeah. The artwork. And she taught me how to upload it and how to use GarageBand <laughs> and how, um, I mean, everything. You taught me how to do everything. I yeah. owe you everything. Catherine was, <laughs> Catherine was giving you lots of shout outs to our sound engineer. Um, <laughs> I was like, Kellen taught me how to do this. <laughs> did Kellen give you the shoebox to carry the no, equipment around? No, I didn't. It, didn't. I probably would have been boyfriend. like, can we get something better than a shoebox? <laughs> Because the first time we were, Catherine brought some stuff in to record, she was going to do a session in another office, and I was like, hey, do you need your shoebox? <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, oh, no, that's the that's the equipment for the for the podcast. So I was like, oh, what? okay. Isn't that a perfect picture of, like, what my life yeah. was like, carrying my important shit around in a shoebox? Um, I was I was gonna call you up for the um the one thing you said to me a couple of weeks ago after New Year's um, when a guy called me a tryhard and you were like <laughs> oh my god <laughs> what what even is a okay what is exactly he's saying okay. the wrong way he's saying the wrong I'm way I'm glad that I'm the only one I thought I was supposed to know what that no meant. I okay. like immediately had an Urban Dictionary so I, was like, I don't know what a tryhard it is. means right to. someone who tries too hard but he didn't mean it that way I don't think he knew what it meant he oh, no. meant like it's I wish it wasn't... I think he he was saying it was too hard for him to try to, like, make a move on her. But that's not what that's it... That's not what it means. Like, basically... He was saying, like, I wish you weren't such a tryhard because I wanted to, like, make a move on you, basically. Oh, so you're avoidant. Right? <laughs> but really, she just wasn't interested in him. I think yeah, that's what okay. it was. So yeah. you were appropriately avoidant. But what did I say to you? You go, well, Kellen doesn't try hard at anything. So, and I was like... <laughs> I took so much offense to that. I was like, oh, I didn't mean it like that. Think I just like coast through life? No, like, I don't know. I did. I meant that's not really what I meant. Like, no, you was, meant it in a nice. Way. I meant like Kellen doesn't have to try really hard to like be like 
She's what I not... know of Kellen today is she doesn't have to try really hard to look at, have a certain look or be cool. She just like is. <laughs> You're just naturally amazing. <laughs> yes, that's what I meant, and it came off oh, really bad. Back now that we're on your natural amazingness, back to how you helped Catherine and then me now joining. Yeah, get all this started and looking so amazing. Where can people find you if they want oh, to hire you geez. for? creative yeah. endeavors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can find me on Instagram. It's at Kellen Joe. And then my website is the same, KellenJoe.com. And that is Kelly with an N, K-E-L-L-Y-N-J-O. Kelly awesome. with an N. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Have a blessed day and uh, go Titans. Tighten up. Is that what they say? <laughs> go Titans Super Bowl. Um, all right. Bye. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.